0: Genesis 1 through 8. I got a lot to say. And a short time to say it. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that I will show you. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And that has been so true. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. I told the Wednesday night group, I love that verse. That shows faith in action. They went forth to go, and they went. They didn't procrastinate, they didn't say the timing's not right. No, they went. They went. And Abram passed through the land into the place of Sechem, unto the Plains of Morah and the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from that place unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, Ai on the east. And there he builded again, building an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. Father, I'm believing, God, that this is going to be meat for those that need meat. Lord, it will be manna for those that need manna. And Lord, it will be milk for those that need milk. Lord, let them receive from this accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes go, sometimes no. 108,000 people move every day in America. Wow. Families in Japan will move five times on the average. In Great Britain, they will move eight times average. But in America, we'll move 14 times. How many here's moved in the last three years? Would you raise your hands? Look at that. That's amazing. I'm one of them. We move because maybe a better job, a different location, different community, different neighborhood. Uh, In Abraham's case, he moved because God said move. And Abraham said, not my will, Lord, your will be done. Now, I told the Wednesday night group, that would be an interesting conversation that Abraham would have had with Sarah. When he said, honey, God just told me to move. Where are we going to move to, dear? God didn't tell me. How are we going to know when we get there? I don't know that either. You think him and Sarah had a a discussion about that? (laughs) Me and my wife, we never have heated arguments. We have lively times of fellowship. (laughs) And that's probably what that's probably what Abraham and Sarah had. They had a lively time of fellowship. Are you willing to move when God says go? What's your reaction when God says no? I always know I'm somebody's pastor when I tell them no. As long as I'm telling them yes, 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 yes. But the moment I say no, then we'll find out where I stand. We'll find out. Because I remember back uh, when, I got, when I was 16, and I bought a Chevy Chevelle that was a piece of junk, and uh, I just didn't know any different. But from there, I got rid of that, and I got me a Dodge Duster. Man, I loved that car. 340. That was such a nice car. Black, red with the black striping on the sides. And... I was I was always the greatest thing since sliced bread as long as I was taking my brother or my sister somewhere where they needed to go. Yeah, get in. You know, wrong, there we took off. But the moment I'd say no, well, I hate you, you're the worst brother ever. <laughs> that's kind of how it is with pastoring. When I say no, that's when that's when, well, you know, what, what's the reaction going to be? We all like yes, we all like go, no, but when God says no. N-O. <laughs> no! No, 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 no. No! No! No, no, no! For the last time, no. Okay. <laughs> Brian and Tina got me that. I told them I'd work that into a message. In Joshua chapter 24, the Bible says, Terah, the father of Abraham, served other gods. Now think of that. Abraham, the father of the faithful, his dad worshipped idols of stone. His dad worshipped a moon god as they worshipped in Mesopotamia. We never hear that from Abraham. I think the same reason... That God spoke to Abraham was the same reason God spoke to Noah, because they were listening. They were listening. They were listening. That that, uh, Turner classic movie that they made concerning Abraham, in that movie, it shows there his father, Terah, bowing down to them gods and little niches in the wall and those little stone gods were placed and Abraham walking in on his dad as his dad was kneeling down before those little stone statues and Abraham turning abruptly around and walking directly back out. He knew that wasn't a god. There was something in him to let him know that God was the creator. And just as God had reached out for Adam and Eve, just as God had reached out to Enoch, just as God had reached out to Noah, God was reaching out to Abraham. In Acts 7, God appeared unto Abraham when he lived in Mesopotamia, the cradle of civilization. I went to the St. Louis Museum one year, years back, and saw the remains that they had unearthed of Ur, the civilization that Abraham was from. And in that, they said that there was 20 live people that was buried in the king of Mesopotamia's uh, chamber when he was laid to rest in death. 20 live people was put in there, and they eventually died in that same chamber. The queen of Mesopotamia, who very perhaps Abraham knew firsthand who these people were. 10 women was put in there alive, to care after the dead queen, and they too eventually died in there. God called Abraham from that type of barbarism and heathenism, and by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he would receive, obeyed. Eventually. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham. Abraham had heard this voice before and he didn't obey. This is at least the second time God's speaking this to him. Don't say this is the first time. He had said. He had already said this to Abraham one other time. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy kindred and from thy country, from thy father's house unto a land that I will show you. They left. He did not obey E totally, because his father was with him, and his nephew Lot was with him. And they get to the city of Haran, which was a sister city of Ur, and there the sights and the sounds of Ur came back, rushing back to them, and the familiarity of those sister cities, and they decided that they would stay there. And they stayed there until the Bible says, Terah, Abraham's dad, died. And they buried him in Haran. And then, they're on the move again. The Bible says in Romans chapter one, that they changed the truth of God into a lie, and they worshiped and served the creation more than the Creator. God was getting Abraham away from that. God had to get him away from that. Every time we've ever built, I've had people to say, whoa, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do we know this? How do we know that God... Come down and ride in the white horse and show you these things. No, not yet. Not yet. Did God speak to you audibly? No. And you know, furthermore, I don't want him to. I look through the Bible, the people that God spoke to audibly, they're getting ready to go through hell on earth. <laughs> yeah, he spoke to them audibly to get them through them tough times. When God says go, there's going to be people that will tell you to stay put. And you know what? The vision that God gives you will never be as real as he gives, I mean, what you're experiencing, knowing, and you just think somebody else has got that, they may not have that. They might not have that same exuberance and feel uh, uh, for doing something as you've got. This is why over the years we've tried to cast out the net and show you the vision of things that we wanted to do, and hopefully the church would get on board. And thank God that's been the case. That's been the case. Thank God for that. The Japanese bamboo, when it is planted, nothing happens for three years. But the fourth year, it grows 40 feet. Now, my say on that would be don't be in your, sitting in your pew the year of the bamboo if it grows, <laughs> if it grows 40 feet in one year. Getting back to Abraham, God gave him eight promises. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless him that bless you. I will curse him that curse you. In you will all the families of the earth be blessed. That's happened through the Lord Jesus and through the Bible. And unto your children will I give this land. And during this time of Moses, the Egyptians killed Jewish babies. We see the enemy battling against Abraham. We will see the enemy battling against Moses. We'll see the enemy battling against Isaiah. We'll see the enemy battling against Jeremiah. Again, it's when God tells a specific word to someone, there's always going to be trouble and factions and things that will grow up that will try to hinder that. I mean, when God speaks to Abraham... And says, I'm going to give you this land. The only people that are there, the Bible said, are the Canaanites. 410 years later, when they actually go and possess the land through Moses and then through Joshua, there are the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Hittites and on and on and on it goes. What happened? I think the devil heard God speak to Abraham and say, I want to give you and your people this land. So he started whispering in all these different people's ears, and they all started headed toward the promised land to try to mix up what God was wanting to do with that land and with that people. Hmm. Bible talks about Haman wanting to try to kill the Jewish people people and he built a gallows to do that and God turned the situation around and the very gallows that he had built for the Jewish people to hang on he himself and his sons were the ones that hang from those gallows I mean think of that where is the Roman empire tonight or the might of the Egyptians or the strength of the Babylonians they are nothing nothing Hitler and the Nazis, that third song, it just, I just, it just broke through to me today. That story that I've read so many times about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian and pastor that stood against Adolf Hitler. And Hitler had him thrown in prison, and every time that someone would mention his name, Hitler would go into a, a tirade of emotions, of screaming and, and cursing. That preacher. And just a few weeks before the war would, end, would be ended, Hitler said, kill the preacher. And he was walked out. A noose was put around his neck. And he was hanged until he was dead. And the SS soldier said, I've never seen anyone die with such grace. How does that happen? He knew Jesus was wonderful. He had that assurance in his heart. There wasn't doubt and unbelief that was screaming in his soul, but it was a calm assurance of Jesus is my Savior, and I've placed all in his hand, and he will accept me into eternity. I got a question. Hitler had Jews shot, thrown in ditches, and burned alive. Do you know how Hitler died? He was shot. He was thrown in the ditch. They poured gasoline on him. And he they would burn him until all was left with his bones. Verse 7 says that Abraham built an altar unto the Lord. And you know what? We gotta stand. If we don't stand with anybody else, we gotta stand with Israel. And this church knows that. And thank God, I hope that to say this and be bright, that most churches in America would understand that. That so we got to stand with Israel. Take a stand. Take a stand. We need to take a stand against homosexuality. And young people, I know you hear there's just an alternate lifestyle, and, and we ought to be accepting of everything and everyone. And it's a poison tree. And in a generation, if everyone was homosexual, there would be no human race. And I know you get a constant barrage from our society, but this is all right, but there's nothing all right about it. Furthermore, you get a constant barrage that liquor is the way to go. I mean, if you want friends and you want to be cool and you want to have the, uh, the good looking woman in the fast car, you, you drink a certain kind of beer. And everybody knows that's stupid. We know that's not right. We know that's not right. I read something just this week. I've been in Isaiah. Isaiah uh, 28. Verse 7. But they have erred through wine and strong drink. Listen. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink and have swallowed up wine. They're out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision and they stumble in judgment and not willing, to take a stand. Church, when we compromise, we lose. We lose. Take a stand. Take a stand on being faithful in church. Take a stand on paying tithe. I already mentioned it beforehand. I'm going to mention it again right now so the people in the church at uh, Branch in Fairfield and also in Trade know exactly where I stand in this. If every person, family, that would come to Orchardville Church if they, if they would pay ten if they would pay ten dollars more on top of their tithe, and if everybody else would tithe, these financial problems would go away. And there the challenge is, and it's out there. It's the deceptiveness of the gradual. Maybe you might have paid tithe, but you gradually just stopped. I know how that works. Four, five, six years ago, that was the first time this ever happened. The church always had a woman nurse came in, and uh, she would take my vitals, and then they fill out the paperwork. And the church has got uh, a policy on me. I'm worth more dead than alive. Just put it that way. And they got this policy on me. And uh, I mean, she'd been here every year. I, you know, she's a nice enough woman. And uh, one time she was here. and Oh, I'm just in a big hurry, big hurry. Uh, Where where can we do this? And I said, well, go back to my office. No, no, no. It's it's right over here, right over here. And she walked me right over to the, where the windows are, where the coffee shop is. Just take a seat right here. I said, well, we can use my office. It's just right. No, I'm in a big hurry. We got to get this done right now. All right. Roll up your sleeve. I sat down in the chair and I roll up my sleeve and. She did that, and then she said, well, here, I've got these I've got to put on. <clears throat> Unbutton this button. Unbutton this button. And then she says, no, that ain't going to work. Unbutton two or three more. Unbutton two or three more. She just reached over, and she just thats like, it, and she's got these little things all over my chest. And then she said, pull up, put your leg up here on this other chair. Take your boot off. <laughs> pull up your pant leg. <laughs> i got to check. And I'm just looking around, seeing all these windows. <laughs> here I am half undressed. And I, that thought run through my mind about that message that I'd preached. The deceptiveness of the gradual. If she had have told me, sit down here and, and throw your shirt open and, and, uh, and uh, hike your, your pant leg up to your knees and, and do this and do that, I would have said no. I ain't going to do that but just gradually, 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 gradually. What I've said about Monty Dash, first time he'd come to church here and he hadn't seen me in 25 years. And we grew up together and he was in, uh, I think he was a freshman when I was a senior and he was in the PE class that I was in. And, and um, <clears throat> he walked in the building and he looked, one look at me and he goes, No! I said, this is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) But you were spiking the volleyball, and you were doing all the... I know, I know, I know, I know. Deceptiveness of the gradual. (laughs) I know. In Pilgrim's Progress, there was Christian and his sidekick, Hopeful. And they were doing real good until Flatterer and Atheist brought confusion to them. Listen to what the Bible says. Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. In Acts 19, the whole city was filled with confusion. Why? Here's what they were doing. Great! Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Serving an idol will bring confusion in your life. And that's what they were doing. Psalms 29. The Lord will bless his people with peace. 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Paul Youngie Cho, who's familiar with that name? Very few. Paul Youngie Cho, for the last number of years, has pastored the largest church on the planet in South Korea. But 50 years ago, it wasn't so. He, as a young man, had a terminal disease. And it looked like he was going to die, unmarried, had no family. He was by himself in that apartment building in South Korea and in Seoul, South Korea. And by his own confession, he said he prayed to everybody. He prayed to Confucius. He prayed to the Hindu god, Vishnu. He prayed to all these gods And finally, in desperation, because he could feel himself each and every day and each and every week, he was getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And finally, as a young man, still in his 20s, young Cho cried out, oh, that the one true God would help me. 20 minutes later, there was a knock on the door. Cho answers, who is it? A female voice answers back and gives her name. And he says through the door, why are you here? And she says, I want to help you. And he answers back, what can you do? And she said, I will pray for you. And then Cho says these words, who sent you to me? And she said, the one true God has sent me to you. And that man was totally, completely healed. And God raised that guy up. He pastors the church with hundreds of thousands of people within it. Thank God for God's grace. Thank God for God's plan that he has. Father, although this has been a sermon delivered haltingly nevertheless God we know that this is your word and your word will do what it is sent out to do and God if there are people that are here this morning that God you're speaking to them to maybe do a ministry maybe to venture out in faith further than they have before you're saying go to them God let them have just a portion of the faith of Abraham because I'm sure you've mentioned this to them more than one time just like you mentioned it to Abraham. And Abraham decided to go into Canaan and into Canaan he came. God help us to have that kind of resolve that when that ministry is placed upon us we decide to do it and we do it. Lord, perhaps there's people here that By your Holy Spirit, you're speaking to them, and they've never asked the one true God into their life. They've never asked this Savior who suffered and bled and died 2,000 years ago to become a reality within their heart. Lord, let today be the prime day for them to act upon what they have heard this day. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.